Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert, and I am so glad that you're here. This morning, we are reading through the Bible again, and we are on day number two. Thank you so much for joining us, and I have my beautiful wife, Heidi, here to go through the Bible with us this morning. Yes, good morning, day number two. After those names yesterday, I was brave enough, and I came back for more. Well, in speaking of those names, I actually read something this morning that fit very well into what we read yesterday on that, so. I can't wait to hear this. It said, anyone can get into the family, and this has to do with the genealogy that's written in Matthew 1. So if you didn't hear that yesterday, go back and listen to the genealogy that was in there, and it just had a bunch of names. Some of them were extremely hard to pronounce. But one of the remarkable things about the genealogy in Matthew 1 is that there are women in it. In Jewish law, a woman had no legal rights. She was regarded not as a person, but as a thing. In the regular form of morning prayer, a male Jew would give thanks to God that he had not made him a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. That woman's name should even be in this list is extraordinary. And then when you see the names, you're doubly surprised. The first is Rahab, who was a harlot in Jericho. The second is Ruth, who was not even a Jew, but a hated Moabitess. The third was Tamar, who committed adultery with her father-in-law. And the fourth was Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, who participated in David's great sin. Each of these four names is of a person who was foreign or immoral or undesirable yet in spite of this, was included in the messianic family tree. Redemptive history is inventive and incorporative. It doesn't make any difference who your mother was. Anyone can get into the family, which is good news for all of us. Did you say anyone can get I'm in the family? I'm pretty sure anyone can get into heaven. You mean there's not a tiny group of people that are given so. a ticket and everybody else <laughs> goes someplace else? Really? <laughs> I know. Oh, Crazy. amazing. That's beautiful. So here we'll get right in now to Matthew 1. This is going to be verses 18 through 25 to round out the chapter there. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they enjoyed their wedding night, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to, to take care of things quietly so that Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure out a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This should bring the prophet's embryonic revelation to full term. Watch for this, a virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up and he did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. You want to hear something interesting that I actually just heard about that? Yeah. I was listening to my favorite podcaster. Me? Lisa Harper. Uh -huh. So sorry. I'm working on it. 
And what I heard is that the symbolic pictures throughout the Bible is striking once you start to realize them. The old Jewish, like Old Testament law in that community, a parent, a natural born child, like their oldest could be disowned. A father could choose to disown or have nothing to do or cut off that child. If a man adopted a child, mm -hmm. it was illegal for him to discard, disown, or cut that child off if they mm -hmm. have been adopted. And what a beautiful picture that was. This baby, he found his wife pregnant before they got married, pregnant with the son of God, but he chose to embrace and love that and adopt a child, knowing full well by law, he could never walk away from that responsibility. God says that he's adapted all of us. Which means he's not walking away from us. I just thought that was oh, beautiful. beautiful. That is beautiful. Yes. All right. Acts. Now we're going to jump over to Acts, and it's Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 26. I believe that rounds out the book of Acts there. So if you're following along either in the message version or in your favorite version, we're starting Acts chapter 1, verse 12. All right. Let's start with returning to Jerusalem. So they left the mountain called Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was a little over half a mile. They went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They agreed they were in this for good, completely together in prayer, the women included. Also, Jesus' mother Mary and his brother. During this time, Peter stood up in the company. There were about 120 of them in the room at that time and said, Friends, long ago the Holy Spirit spoke through David regarding Judas, who became the guide to those who arrested Jesus. That scripture had to be fulfilled and now has been. Judas was one of us and had his assigned place in this ministry. As you know, he took the evil bribe money and bought a small farm. There he came to a bad end, rupturing his belly and spilling his guts. Everybody in Jerusalem knows this by now. They call the place Murder Meadow. It's exactly what we find written in the Psalms. Let his farm become haunted so no one can ever live there. And also what was written later. Let someone else take over his post. Judas must now be replaced. The replacement must come from the company of men who stayed together with us from the time Jesus was baptized by John up to the day of his ascension, designated along with us as a witness to his resurrection. They nominated two, Joseph, Barsabas, nicknamed Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, You, O God, know every one of us inside and out. Make plain which of these two men you choose to take the place in this ministry and leadership that Judas threw away in order to go his own way. They then drew straws. Matthias won and was counted in with the 11 apostles. You always get the ones that have some of the fun names. I I've do noticed. get the names. And the that interesting wasn't thing, today. though, is that you do assign the reading. So I'm beginning <laughs> to wonder. Well, you know. Thank you for sticking with me. It's 
Maybe that's a reason to join in. Let's see how she can butcher these Old Testament names this morning. Yeah, totally I good. promise you a good time with that every day. So now we're going to jump over to Psalms number two. So if you're following along, Psalms two, and it says, Why the big noise, nations? Why the mean plots, peoples? Earth leaders push for position. Demagogues and delegates meet for summit talks. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers. Let's get free of God, they say, cast loose from the Messiah. Heaven-throned God breaks out laughing. At first, he's amused at their presumption. Then, he gets good and angry. Furiously, he shuts them up. Don't you know there's a king in Zion? A coronation banquet is spread for him on the holy summit. Let me tell you what God said next. He said, you're my son, and today is your birthday. What do you want? Name it. Nations as a present? Continents as a prize? You can command them all to dance for you or throw them out with tomorrow's trash. So rebel kings, use your heads. Upstart judges, learn your lesson. Worship God in adoring embrace. Celebrate in trembling awe. Kiss Messiah. Your very lives are in danger, you know. His anger is about to explode. But if you make a run for God, you won't regret it. I'm struck by how timely that is for mm. our world and in that anything that happens now isn't new. Mm. This has been happening for generations and generations and generations. I'm sure at that time people looked around at the state of the world and thought, you know, in complete despair, there's no hope that what are we going to do? This is absolutely horrible. Yeah. God takes care of it. He's up there. He's probably laughing with his cup of coffee right now. He's about ready to get good and angry. All right. Now we're moving into Genesis 3 and 4. And I wanted to read a little something extra with Genesis 3 here. This is just about the greed to be God. A curious thing happens to us when we get a taste of God. It happened in Eden. It keeps happening today. Mm. The experience of God, the ecstasy, the wholeness of it, is accompanied by a temptation to reproduce the experience as God. Oh. The taste for God is debased into a greed to be God. We abandon the personal presence of God and take up with the impersonal serpent. We flee the shining face of God for a slithery world of religion that gives us license to manipulate people and acquire godlike attributes for ourselves. The moment we begin cultivating the possibility of acquiring that kind of power and glory for ourselves, we will flee from the presence of the Lord and seek a place where we can become more prominent and acquire even more power. This is what led to the downfall of Adam and Eve. This is also what leads to our downfall, where we find ourselves, like them, living far from the presence of God. Wow. Wasn't that powerful? Wow. Now, if you're following along, we're bouncing all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. We're going to read Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, and I'll start out with 3 and then pass it off to Heidi. All right, I'm ready. So Genesis 3 
The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal that God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the tree in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, You won't die. God knows that the moment that you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate that fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what's really going on. They saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. They hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And then God said, well, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? The man said, the woman that you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree and yes, I ate it. God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. God told the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head and you'll wound his heel. He told the woman, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. You'll want to please your husband, but he'll lord it over you. He told the man, because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, do not eat this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. You'll be working in pain all your life long. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds. You'll get your food the hard way. Planting and tilling and harvesting sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to that ground yourself dead and buried you'll start out as dirt and you'll end up as dirt the man known as adam named his wife eve because she was the mother of all of the living god made leather clothing for adam and his wife and dressed them god said the man has become like one of us capable of knowing everything ranging from good to evil what if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat and live forever? Never. This cannot happen. So God expelled them from the Garden of Eden and sent them to work the ground, the same dirt out of which they had been made. He threw them out of the garden and stationed angel cherubim in a revolving sword of fire east of it, guarding the path to the tree of life. They had it made. They did have it made. <laughs> oh. So Genesis 4. Genesis 4. 
Adam slept with Edith's wife. She conceived and had Cain. She said, I've gotten a man with God's help. Then she had another baby, Abel. Abel was a herdsman and Cain a farmer. Time passed. Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Abel also brought an offering, but from the firstborn animals of his herd, choice cuts of meat. God liked Abel in his offering, but Cain in his offering didn't get his approval. Cain lost his temper and went into assault. God spoke to Cain, why this tantrum? Why the sulking? If you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you. You've got to master it. Cain had words with his brother. They were out in the field. Cain came at Abel, his brother, and killed him. God said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, How should I know? Am I his babysitter? Kids have always been. I know. Oh. Yeah, snarky. God said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is calling to me from the ground. Mm -hmm. From now on, you'll get nothing but curses from this ground. You'll be driven from this ground that has opened its arms to receive the blood of your murdered brother. You'll farm this ground, but it will no longer give you its best. You'll be a homeless wanderer on earth. Cain said to God, My punishment is too much. I can't take it. You've thrown me off the land and I can never again face you. I'm a homeless wanderer on earth and whoever finds me will kill me. God told him, No, anyone who kills Cain will pay for it seven times over. God put a mark on Cain to protect him so that no one who met him would kill him. Cain left the presence of God and lived in no man's land east of Eden. Cain slept with his wife. She conceived and had Enoch. He then built a city and named it after his son, Enoch. Enoch had Erab. Ered had Mahu. What did you Mahuel? do? Mahuel? I think so. Mahuel. Mahujael. Had Methusiel. Methusiel had Lamech. Lamech married two wives, Ada and Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, the ancestor of all who live in tents and herd cattle. His brother's name was Jubal, the ancestor of all who play the lyre and flute. Zillah gave birth to Tubal Cain, who worked at the forge making bronze and iron tools. Tubal Cain's sister was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, you wives of Lamech, hear me out. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man who attacked me. If Cain is avenged seven times for Lamech, it's 77. Adam slept with his wife again. She had a son who she named Seth. She said, God has given me another child in place of Abel who Cain killed. And then Seth had a son who he named Enoch. That's when men and women began praying and worshiping in the name of Hmm. And just like that, friends, we are done with day number two. Number two is already done. Not that hard, is Not it? Not at all. Look I mean, at us go. Here we are about 20 minutes or so in. Yes. Got the Bible out of the way. Isn't this great? It is. Okay. It actually is. 
I'm enjoying this. Well, we hope that you out there are enjoying this as well. This is great for us because not only do we read the Bible to you, but then we also go through it again and again with editing and just making sure everything is right. So this is by far just as much, if not more for us than it is for anybody else. But we hope that this is a blessing for you and that you just enjoy a little back and forth between us and also enjoy digging into this beautiful book that we call the Bible. Bible. So join us tomorrow for day number three. If you have any questions or comments regarding any of the things that we've talked about here today, feel free to drop it in the comments below. Heidi or I would love to just engage with you and, and answer some questions and see where that goes. Absolutely. And I'll continue to do my best to pronounce names I don't know how to pronounce. And I'll do my best to make sure that she gets all the ones with the fun <laughs> names. So. On that note, have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you tomorrow.